You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, we should start dancing real quick. Uh, good to be with you guys. Uh, my name's Ryan. For those of you that are new, I'm sorry. I told the first service that I really feel like this message is going to be boring. And uh, I felt bad about it. Early this morning, I was prepping. And I was walking back to my truck to, you know, uh, pull my laptop up and maybe find some, a few more connection pieces for the message. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I feel like today is just going to be boring. And then I felt like the Lord spoke back to me and said, well, if it's boring, it's not my fault. It's going to be your fault. (laughs) And I thought, that is probably the Lord, you know, because there's nothing wrong with his word uh, in the message. There's sometimes there's something wrong with the messenger, and, uh, and so, and then I, I shared that with the worship team and we were practicing and I said, guys, I hope you got a lot of energy and I'm glad some of you are really young because I feel like today is going to be boring. And then I went to the restroom and I was washing my hands and one of our sound guys that never says much at all, it says like five words a day and, uh, we're in the restroom and I said, Hey, Kevin, man, I'm sorry, bro. Today's going to be boring. He looks at me and washes his hand and goes, walks out the door and goes, you should have brought firecrackers. <laughs> I thought, man, that is good. Like, where did you get that? I love that. Should have brought firecrackers. So uh, I do think there is something to it, though, that you pray and hope that your preacher's on fire. You know, he's excited. And so I am a little more excited after first service was good. So anyway, <clears throat> I want to start off. So the name, I just renamed the message title because it was too boring. Uh, So the name of the message title is uh, The Walking Dead, Are You Born Again? Okay, The Walking Dead, Are You Born Again? So that's, it's going to be good. Uh, Hopefully it'll be pretty good. Uh, And then, so let me tell you a story. How many of you ever been to church and you feel like you kind of like everything went over your head and you felt a little clueless, like, oh my goodness, I don't know what they're talking about, raise your hand, or been in a context where you just felt clueless, Okay. Good. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. So here's what happened to me the other day. Literally, I dropped my daughter off at a a little Montessori school in Cave Creek, drop her off. Then I decide, you know what? I'm going to go on a backcountry just adventure in my truck. I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. I got my shotgun. I'm going to go walk around, see if I can find a quail or two. And so I stopped by the uh, gas station, one of those last little gas stations on the way out to Bartlett Lake, you know? I stop in there. And I'm like talking to the lady. I'm like, well, you know, I just need a refill and coffee. And she's like, she looks at me and she starts grinning really big. And I'm like, maybe she knows who I am. Like, what, what, why is she looking at me like that? And she starts looking and she goes, is that all you want? And I'm like, yeah, I think that's all I want. Thank you very much. I get in the truck and I'm like, man, I must be a charming young guy. Like, you know, that lady was like so nice and so kind. And then I was thinking to myself, man I, man, I must be charming. And I look in the mirror and all of a sudden I see this big yellow smear on the side of my face. I realized it was egg yolk from earlier this morning. I was clueless. I walked in there with big egg yolk, probably looked like bird poop stuck on the side of my face. And I'm just talking to her. And she's like, that all you want? Is there you don't need a wet wipe or, you know. Uh, so today you may feel a little clueless at point in time. Um, hopefully you don't have egg yolk stuck on the side of your face, you know? Uh, I mean, why not just tell me? You have something on your face. 
She just lets me go about my day. So anyway, uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to be dealing with the issue about uh, where Jesus has an encounter with a man named Nicodemus, and, uh, and this idea of being born again is brought up. Uh, and born again, for those of you baby boomers and empty nesters, uh, that, that word, that phrase, being born again Christian, probably has a lot more connotation and baggage than you younger folks. Um, even for me as a Gen Xer and millennials, you probably don't, that buzz idea of born again is not a big a deal. Uh, but born again for the boomers and the empty nesters and all that, it is kind of a bigger deal because like uh, Richard Nixon came out in 1976 and says, I'm born again. And then like total, you're like, no, I don't really think you are. And then Colson came out and then uh, the Watergate scandal came out. Uh, uh, Colson said he was born again Christian. And then Larry Flint, uh, the publisher of Hustler magazine, said he was a born again Christian. And then he, later, now he's like an atheist or was turned into an atheist. And so this idea of born-again Christians kind of got a bad rap. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at what does Jesus have to say about what does it mean to be born again. Let's watch the video, and then I'm going to come through and teach the scriptures. Welcome, Nicodemus. Don't be alarmed. He's waiting for you. Asked the owner of this house for more lanterns. But he said they would draw attention. Yes, I imagine they would. The human eye is drawn to light. We can't help it, it just happens. There are many things we are drawn to without our thinking or our ability to explain why. Thank you for agreeing to meet. Thank you for trying to help Mary when you did. No help. You were meant to be there. Me? So I could fail miserably at an exorcism in the Red Quarter? If you had not been there that day, would you be on this roof tonight? I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. I... Shall we sit first? Oh, yes. slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. 
And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. All right, so here we go. So... What we're going to do is look in our Bibles at the exact uh, event that took place between Jesus and the man Nicodemus. So John chapter 3 is where we're picking up, uh, verses 1 through 7. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher uh, a teacher come from God. Uh, so obviously, uh, Nicodemus at this point in time, this religious leader, ruler, uh, he knows that Jesus has got something special going on. Perhaps he was there uh, or had friends at the wedding when Jesus turned water into wine, or perhaps he was there in the temple when Jesus got that whip, made that whip and drove everybody out of that place. So Nicodemus is like seeking after Jesus. He is a, uh, a religious leader who thinks and calls him a rabbi. He does not say, you're the Lord. A rabbi just means teacher. He says, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one else can do these signs, the miracles, remember? So Jesus has been doing signs, lots of miracles, uh, that, unless, uh, that you do unless God is with him. So he's not saying, you're, you are the Lord. He just said, something's going on with you. Verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does he mean? He's saying something has to happen. You have to be born again. Uh, where were you born? I'm asking you the question, where were you born? Were you born in Phoenix? Were you born in uh, 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 another town? I was born in Dallas in 1970, I got to think about it, 1978, uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, Baylor Hospital. I was born the first time in Dallas, 1978. The second time I was born was in 1997 in Buena Vista, Colorado, in the mountains 
overwhelmed with the power of creation and said, I submit my life to you, Jesus. I need to follow you and live for you. I never knew you. Even though I was already born and living, I was not truly spiritually alive. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you got to be born again and you cannot see the kingdom of God. That means you cannot have salvation unless you're born again. So Nicodemus said, verse four, said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, no, 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 I don't think you're getting it. Verse five, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Um, let me remind you about who Nicodemus is. Who's asking the questions? A very, very religious person. Uh, he has been a part of the faith movement for many, many years. Uh, many times these folks have grew up in families that were priests and religious leaders. So he's basically culturally religious. I mean, I talk to some believers. I'm like, when did you become a Christian? They're like, I was born a Christian. I grew up in the church. And I'm like, you're not born a Christian. You're born and then you get born again. Uh, but for some people, it's harder to know. Nicodemus was deeply religious. Uh, he was a Pharisee. And by the way, listen, he's the only Pharisee mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who's going to give his life to Jesus Christ. He, this is a pretty unique case study. Uh, he's rich. So he's religious. He's rich. He's very educated, very smart, very wealthy. Uh, the rest of scripture describes him as a person having a lot of influence, a uh, very educated person, has a good job. And then the Bible tells us, we read earlier, that he's a ruler. Uh, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin uh, was basically in charge of judicial authority. Uh, in Jerusalem. So it was very much set up very different back then. In Jerusalem, the religious leaders had authority, so much so to even put people uh, to death. And so uh, they were in cahoots with the Roman Empire, and sometimes the Roman Empire didn't even press on the Jews a whole lot because they had their own little uh, organizational judicial system that they followed the Torah. And then when people would mess up, the Jews would step in and sometimes exercise justice um, apart from or in tandem to the Roman uh, government. Um, and so... He is a ruler. He's a part of the Sanhedrin. There's some 70 members that are a part of this uh, uh, leadership team, if you will, for over Jerusalem. He's a higher up. He's definitely a higher up. Him meeting Jesus is very con con uh, controversial um, because in that perhaps that's why he met at night. Um, but what, is, what happens to Nicodemus? John chapter 7 tells us um, that he eventually understands and believes Jesus to be the Christ. Um, in John chapter 7 verse 51, later he's going to argue for a fair hearing for Jesus when it's the Pharisees that are going to uh, seek to arrest Jesus and have him crucified. Nicodemus is like saying, time out. He needs a fair process before we just crucify somebody. Later, when Jesus is crucified in John chapter 19, uh, Nicodemus is the one 
next to Joseph of Arimathea that buries Jesus. He's the, there's only two people that go to bury our Lord and Savior, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And they had some money. They were both influential, wealthy people. And so um, later in church history, this is not Bible, this is church history I'm going to talk to you about. Tradition has it that Nicodemus, because he became a Jesus follower, he's cast out of the Jewish religious uh, circles, has no more friends, has no more religious clout. They kick him out as a heretic. Um, he loses all his money, loses his job, and then spends the rest of his life uh, serving the Lord. In fact, the apostle Peter baptizes Nicodemus, uh, Nicodemus goes on to be an influential figure within church history to help start and strengthen churches. And then he's martyred and dies for his faith and his family continues to live on in, in the first century and they serve the Lord together. And uh, some of you say, how do you know that all happened? I don't. It's church history. It's tradition that's been passed down. So when you get to heaven, you talk to old Nicodemus and say, did that really happen? And then you, you can figure it out. Um, but it's an incredible, cool story. So back to the question, what does it mean to be born again? Um, it's the theological phrase is regeneration. Uh, regeneration is not restoration. So what happens is, is there's kind of three parts to it, but let me give you a definition that I've put together that I hope helps you to understand what does it mean to be born again? The theological word, if you looked in a theological dictionary, is regeneration. It's a mysterious act in which God imparts new life for, listen to me, salvation. So, uh, next week, I'll talk to you more about what this mysterious act of how God does this. Uh, but today, what I'm going to do is give you three ideas and understanding insights to the idea of being born again. And then um, I'll give you some practical application. So number one, to understand this idea of being born again, you've got to understand it's a work of God, not of man. Let's say that together. It's a work of God, not of man. You guys got to be louder than that. It's a work of God, not of man. Okay, that is theology, like, boom. Like, that is so important to understand. You can think of proof texts, those of you who've been around the Bible a while. For it is by grace you've been saved, not by works, uh, so that nobody can boast. It, it's God's doing. Um, so let's just go back. We don't have to get into the epistles right now. Let's go back to the Gospel of John and let me prove my point that this idea of being born again is not man's work, uh, nobody can save themselves. God's got to do something, impart life to a spiritually dead person, and that person then can trust their faith, put their faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what John 1, 12 through 13 says. I preached on this in the beginning of chapter one of the Gospel of John. Um, says this, but to all who did receive him, that means who believed in his name, Jesus' name, uh, he gave the right to become uh, children of God who were born not of blood, meaning not just a first birth, not just your mom uh, being born from your mom, uh, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nothing you can do, doesn't matter if you come from a religious family or not, nor the will of man, you don't will your way into it, uh, but of God. So, it is a work of God, not 
of man. The Apostle Paul uh, believed in that so much, he knew the story of Nicodemus, and uh, later after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, taught this doctrine, this idea of being born uh, again, and he did it with the church in Ephesus, and he said it like this, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Hang on, just a second. Let's review what those couple key words, dead and then walked. This is uh, the, uh, the idea of the zombie. Basically what's going on, the Bible tells us that we all are dead in our sin and our trespasses, and yet we once, those of us who are believers, we once walked uh, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan and his demons, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. In other words, the scripture's telling us, uh, as Paul is writing, not to a group of unbelievers, but believers, and saying, all y'all, all y'all are like zombies. You, before Jesus, you were just walking dead. You can be fully alive as a person, Born in 1978, Dallas, Texas, uh, grew up around the church, around some churchy folks. I went even and got baptized, and it was all just a scam. I wanted to get baptized so I could date Christian girls. And then so all of a sudden, I'm baptized, and then my friends say, hey, Ryan, how's your walk with Jesus Christ? I'm like, walk? What are you talking about? Didn't you say you're a Christian? I'm like, kind of, yeah. What does it mean to be a Christian? (laughs) I was a fake. I was a phony. I'm alive, but I'm spiritually dead. 1997, I'm born again. I come back. People say, what happened to you, man? I said, I met Jesus Christ. He changed my life. And uh, I want to reconcile with my dad. I want to reconcile with my brothers. I need to break up with my girlfriend because I've been a loser and a jerk. I did everything wrong. I can't continue in that relationship. I walked away from all of it and then was ostracized, and then made fun of all the time. Ever since I've been a Christian, I've been slandered, gossiped, and ridiculed. I don't know why, that's just my story. And so I become a Christian, I'm born again, and look what it says, verse three, it says, among whom we all once lived. We all, the Bible says, all of us have lived in the passions of our flesh. That means whatever you feel, you just do. I hear it all the time today with all the, the talk about same-sex attractions. Folks just say, well, God made me with this desire, and so I just do it. And I'm like, well, the Bible says that we all have passions of the flesh. Well, carrying out the desires of the body and the, and the, and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I mean, this is all bad news. This is all bad news right here. We're children of wrath. We just live in the passions of our flesh. We do whatever we want. This is all bad news. But I like the Bible because the Bible is really honest with us. Like when people come to me and they say this, right? You've heard this. Hey, I've got bad news and I've got good news. Which one do you want to hear first? I always say, give me the bad news. Because then I want to get the good news. I want to calculate the bad news. The Bible is telling you bad news. Everybody. Every person on the planet is born spiritually dead. You are alive. You walk, but you're a zombie. There ain't no life in you. You don't save yourself. 
You don't, when, I don't know if you've ever seen a dead body before, but dead bodies don't sit in the back of an ambulance and pick up those big shockers and boom, shock themselves back to life. They are D-E-A-D, and I can spell. They're dead. No, no, nobody's awakening that corpse. They're not doing it themselves. The Bible says, no, 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 no. Nicodemus, it doesn't matter where you come from. You don't will your way into the kingdom of God. You need to be born again. Your dad doesn't matter. Your mom doesn't matter. Your aunt doesn't matter. Your cousin doesn't matter. You gotta be born again. But see, here's the good news. I wanted to be born again. I needed a new life. I don't want the old. I needed a whole new setup. Like, born again, yes, I'll take that. Here's what the Bible says. Look what happens. Here's the good news, verse four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Man, I got saved. That's what happened. I was dead, spiritually dead. Some people would be like, no, I thought you were a Christian. You were nice. I was like, to you? But I was evil on the inside. So we got to come to terms with this. It's a work of God, not of man. Number two, when does this happen, this idea of being born again? Well, it happens before saving faith. You think, what? What did you just say? All right, let me try to explain it. Um, This idea of being born again, it happens before saving faith. So when you're born, right? Like literally the first time. Uh, Born in Arizona, born in Texas, born in Indiana, born in California. God, we pray for you. Uh, (laughs) Born, wherever you're born, right? You have to be born again. So once you're born, right? You remember when you were born? Uh, you'd be like, I don't know, I saw pictures of me. I was this ugly little baby, you know? Some of you like love those little, uh, they look so like glowworms to me, but I do think they're cute. <laughs> but when you were a little baby, right? It took you a while to crawl. Then you started living. You were living You were born, you weren't born, then you are born, and then you're crawling, and then you're, you know, eating little Gerber food, and then you're you're doing the little diaper thing, and then the mom and dad are so excited when you can potty all by yourself. You were born, but then you get bigger, and then you start living, and so it is in the spiritual life. You are born, but you can't do anything, right? You're born, but when you get bigger, you can do something. So here's how it happens spiritually. When you're born again, all of a sudden, you can start to say, I'm going to do something good. I'm going to grow up a little bit. I'm going to seek out information about Jesus Christ. I'm going to read the Bible because I've been born again. And now I get to make a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus or not. And then once you make a decision for Jesus Christ, guess what happens? New life, new journey, new story. See, new life is tied to after being born again. And you say, okay, well, break this down for me. All right, John chapter three, verses five through six. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, 
He cannot enter the kingdom of God. And meaning, you can't get to heaven unless two things happen. Born of water and the spirit. What does it mean to be born of the water? Well, have you ever been into, have you, ladies, have you ever given birth before? Raise your hand, those of you who've given birth before. Men, I'm so cautious to say this, but how many of you have ever seen that child come out? Very few brave souls. I passed out when that happened. My friend, I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll say it in the second. My friend, he was an Arkansas redneck. He told me, he goes, hey, buddy, before you go in there, I need you to know what you're about to see. It's worse than gutting a deer. <laughs> and I said, thanks for the bad news. I walked in there, and my, my wife's like, sweetie, I'm giving birth to twins. And then all of a sudden, everything, water cut loose and blood cut loose. I'm like, oh, that nurse picked me up and got me out. (laughs) My friend's like, I told you, told you. That really happened. My kids are ashamed because I wasn't there, you know, but. Verse six says, uh, listen to this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the flesh? You and me. And that which is born of the Spirit, Spirit. So, when we are born again, there's a spiritual beginning. And then when we choose faith in Jesus Christ, it's a new life. And so you grow. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 44, it, it ain't something you did all by yourself. There's a drawing of the Heavenly Father to awaken you to your senses. John six forty four says, no one can come to me. Unless the Father who sent me draws him. What does that mean? That means when you're dead, you're dead, man. The only way you're getting up off that, uh, uh, getting up out of that coffin is the Heavenly Father begins to do a work of regeneration, not restoration. A spiritual power of new life surging into that individual. They're like baby Christians, they're babies, and then they respond to faith in Jesus Christ, and then the new life begins. So that's theology 101 for you, and you say, well, break that down for me a little bit more. Okay, I will. How about we look at Lydia in the Bible, um, the apostle Paul, a ministry partner, a young lady who's involved in ministry and helping start and strengthen churches. Uh, the Luke, the historian, captures this idea of being born again and how God's mysteriously at work in this whole thing of being born again. Acts chapter 16, verses 14 through 15, after the death, burial, and resurrection, uh, Jesus came and said, you guys got to go preach the gospel, go start some churches, get it going. Acts chapter 16, verses 14 through 15, Luke records, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. She's a fashion designer who was a worshiper of God. Uh, The Lord, check this out, opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So the Lord opens the heart. That's regeneration that's born again, and then there's a decision. She says, I'm gonna start following Jesus Christ, and after, she was baptized in her whole household as well. My point being is, man, it's a process. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit's already been at work in you. 
This is why I say to our guest services team, like, please, please, please talk to people because you have no idea that God's been at work in that person's life far before they ever got to the campus. He's been drawing them in to go, I'm interested to hear about biblical truth. I'm interested to know more about Jesus. Well, who did that? The Heavenly Father did that. I remember being at a, a big party one night. I was a senior in high school. And uh, my life felt like, I mean, I had achieved academically, but I still partied casually, responsibly. That was my, my, my cop-out. I would say I'm going to party responsibly. I'm at this massive party. I walk out. I'm standing up, and I look up at the heavens. I see the stars, the moon, and I felt terrible on the inside. Smoke billowed out of the a party house in the middle of the night, and I stood there smelling the smoke, knowing the debauchery that was going on behind me, the brokenness, the lie, the corruption, the stealing, the murder that was going on in my high school, the suicide that was going on, the abortions that were going on, the drugs that were going on. And I stood there and I said, Lord, I don't like this. I want out. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this isn't the life I'm calling you to live. And it was uh, later that summer, I said, I surrender everything to you. Was I saved at that party house? No. But I was regenerated. I was born again in a sense. My saving faith came when I said out loud, Lord, all for you. I surrender my whole life to you. I'll give my whole life for you. And then I came home and the journey began. The new life began. And so... Here's what you're going to see. Lastly, number three, it leads to new life. Basically, when, when you are born again, you're like a baby. You're just a little baby, and you now have life in you. You were dead. Now you're alive, but it's going to lead to something. Here's what 1 John chapter 5 says, For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. When you get born again, you can start living a life of victory. You can overcome some of those sins and those temptations. I mentioned earlier, and I've heard this before, and I want to help lower the pressure in the room of the guilt or remorse or, or the questions and concern about that same-sex attraction and how um, in the, in, you know, for some, I see this in churches is, um, and it's so important to hear this, is the Bible tells us that we are by nature children of wrath. The Bible tells us that we're by nature, we're born with a fleshly desire for evil and wrong. Therefore, what that means is all of our desires are screwed up at some level. Sure, we're capable of doing some good. Don't get me wrong. However, um, Apart from Jesus Christ, we're going to easily find ourselves into addiction with drugs, alcohol, sexual perversion, sexual immorality, all sorts of craziness that leads to death and destruction. So then what happens when you are born again? Does all of a sudden, all the tendency towards alcoholism or drugs or same-sex attraction, does it leave? I would say for some, it might. But how many of us know the truth, Right? that we still struggle with the old nature. That when people are born again, it doesn't mean that they have no more temptation over here. There's temptation always. This is why the apostle Paul said it like this. He said, man, I do the very things I don't want to do. There's a, there's a war going on in between you and me in the heart of every believer for good 
and for evil. And they're constantly fighting against each other. And the idea is, the question is, is, well, which one do you feed more? Do you feel, feed the good or do you feed the evil? So when we are born again, the Bible tells us is that we can have victory over those evil desires, those wrong desires, because now we have life. We're not just a zombie being controlled by our evil desires. We are now in tune with the Heavenly Father, deposited with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can move around and we have the power to say, I reject that. I'm not going to fall into that. I'm going to choose the correct sexuality. I'm going to choose correct uh, 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 behavior in relationship to alcohol or anything else. You have that new infused power imparted into you. Will there be temptations? Yes. Does it mean you're evil? No. But it does mean that you got a past, but now you got a new power that is with you to press forward and you can have victory through Jesus Christ. Amen? So I think what happens in the church is that we over-communicate stories like mine, and I'm sorry. It is what it is. Um, I came to faith, and I felt like I got a brand new wiring of desires where my wife, like, she comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and it's a slow process. She's born again, and then it's a slow process for her to start living it out. Me, it was overnight. Next day, I show up, tell everybody, hey, my life's with Jesus, break up with my girlfriend, quit selling drugs, quit messing around, get right, I'm going to college. They're like, who are you? I'm like, I, I, guess, I don't know, I don't know, a follower of Jesus. What do you guys call yourself? Um, that's not everybody. And so a couple of points on this is the Christian life, it's a life that leads to new life. It's not about perfection, but it is about progress. And you need to know that. It, it, you're, you've been born again if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, but you, you uh, need to live out your faith. I'll give you three quick takeaways on what it means, I think, for us as a church in light of being born again. Number one, I would say that you, you need to evaluate the evidence of your life, meaning, do I have that born again reality in my life? Being a Christian kid doesn't count because mom was or dad was. You need to be born again. Uh, having a spouse that is a believer doesn't get you in. Not of the will of man, nor of the flesh, but of God. Uh, you need to evaluate the evidence. Are you born again? You ask that question. What does it mean to be born again? It's not a work of God. It, you know, it's, it is you believing in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, last, yesterday, I was at a memorial service for Trudy Sutton, Steve, and Priscilla. Um, Steve's mom passed away. It was a wonderful memorial because she had a wonderful life of loving Jesus. And uh, I said to the, the small congregation that was there at the graveside yesterday, I said, death has a way of stopping us in our tracks and getting us to reevaluate things. Where are you at with Jesus? So I say that to you. Number one is evaluate the evidence. Jesus said, if you can judge a tree by its fruit, is there fruit in your life? Love, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Are these things happening in your life? Evaluate the evidence, number one. Number two, I would say for those of you who say, man, I'm a believer, I'm walking with Jesus, good, share the scriptures. 
Because uh, regeneration, being born again, it, this is for the spiritually dead to experience brand new life. The best thing that I can do in my faith is to see new people come to faith in Jesus Christ and go, "Woo! did you see that, how God reconciled that relationship? Did you see how he restored that marriage? Did you see how he moved that person from unbelief to belief? That is awesome. You need to share the scripture, John three sixteen. That's the scripture Jesus shares with Nicodemus. Help me out, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, help me out, everlasting life. That's the, that's the word Jesus gave to Nicodemus. Uh, number three, I'll just close out with this, is you and I, we need to do more ministry like Jesus. I call it talk at the table. Um, Jesus had a, a, a mission to seek and save the lost, but he had a method by sharing food with other people. He would have a talk at the table. This church needs to understand that we want to see people regenerated, born again, but we can't do it just through the preaching and the teaching. We need you to talk at the table. And in a culture that is anti-truth or post-truth, Oh, how are we going to do this? We're going to be filled with grace and truth, and we're going to have conversations at the table, Jesus style, full of grace and full of truth. The table is a great place to have conversations about where people are at. Um, Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, 90 times it's mentioned that either Jesus was going to a meal, he was preparing a meal, he was leaving from a meal, ministry and meals, they go together. This is why we launched the courtyard mission. This is why we opened up food. This is why we opened up all this. We had families in our church step forward and say, hey, how much does it cost you a year? I said about eight to $10,000 just to serve food. They said, we want to adopt a Sunday so people can eat. Here's why. Because imagine this, you come to church. Some of you have made you very uncomfortable. I've talked about uh, same-sex relationships. I've talked about addictions. I've talked about alcohol. I've talked about all these things. And now imagine, imagine this happens. People, those of you that got offended, you get in your car and you just drive away. Screw the church, man. They're judgmental. Or one of you guys goes, hey, man, you want to go grab a burger? Let's talk. Man, that guy's judgmental. He just judges me. No, 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 that's not what he means. What he means is God's called us to a standard and that everybody sins. There's sexual immorality everywhere, bro. There's addiction, there's alcoholism. He's just calling you to live the life that God wants you to live. Now the talk is at the table and then we see transformation. So ladies and gentlemen, I need your help. I'm going to clarify this more in the new year about our ministry approach, but I'm hoping that if I can get you to do this a little bit on a Sunday afternoon, then you're going to do it at work and you're going to do it later in the community. I'm praying for 40% of our people to start engaging with table talk. I think this is a new ministry strategy for the 21st century. If all we do is pump out messages and share messages from the preacher about tackling tough topics, we're probably just going to create division. But if we have conversations with people like Jesus did with Nicodemus, and Jesus was always hanging out with sinners, tax collectors, gluttons, let's do that. Amen. I'm done. That was a terrible ending. I'm sorry. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.